Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today on The Sense of Soul, we have Brandy Shigley. She, to me, represents kindness, forgiveness, determination, passion, giving. She's fearless. She is the epitome of service work and faith. And those are just a few words that I thought of when I was thinking about her. I've known her and her brother since a very young age, and we went to high school together. I have always admired her and her outlook on life. She always sees the good in everything and everyone, even after facing many challenges from her past. She is one of the most creative people I know and carries that in how she writes, how she carries herself, the way she dresses, the way she decorates, and the way she works. She is just a bundle of love and a straight badass, and I'm so happy we finally connected on the sense of soul today. Yay! (laughs) Welcome, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on Sense of Soul and for both you and Shanna just like creating this channel to share and share the stories of so many amazing people. And you, Mandy, you've inspired me so much, just how free you are living and sharing your life and all of the the hard parts about life. And that's one thing that I think is so beautiful about being alive is, and also about aging is how we can be more comfortable in sharing our truth and not feel like we have to share this fake world that seems so perfect. And I feel like we're just in that stage where we can share all of our imperfections and it makes us even more bold to be broken. Yeah. I guess, Shanna, what would you consider that the, a little piece of the crone? I feel like it could be something for everyone, but I do think it does come with age. Yeah. I definitely didn't feel this confident to be who I am in my thirties. Yeah. And I think I've always been pretty vulnerable in telling my story about my addiction, but I'm becoming more vulnerable in more than just that now. And as mistakes as a mother, a wife, a person in society, like I'm just able to share it um, without that shame, guilt, or fear of judgment. But you want to know what, Brandy? I'm not joking when I say this. I don't feel like you have very many imperfections. I'm not joking when I look up to you so much, especially your faith and your, your service work. And you know what? You don't plan your service work. Like the other day, just so our listeners know, she has been frustrated with people spray painting the outside of her, um, her building where she lives, but she has such a soft spot for the homeless and she's not afraid to walk up to them and learn about their story. And that's the fearless piece I was talking about. She's fearless in her faith and she's fearless in her service work. Um, where did you get that from Brandy? 
I think that I got that from both my grandmother, my grandma Shigley, and my mom. I remember spending so much time with my grandma Shigley, and I had two grandmas who had very different relationships with God. Grandma Shigley was a servant. She loved going and serving her neighbors and serving and making quilts for people who lost their homes. And my other grandma was more about making sure that we all followed the laws in the Bible. So very different faiths. And one of them, I was like, I don't think God is going to like me because I cannot follow all of those things. But the other grandma was really showing me who God was through just service. And I think that that's something that's always stuck in in me was just the act of love through serving people. And so just being my grandma's little sidekick from a very early age, going out there and feeding the neighbors and distributing her quilts, it, it really was instilled in me at a very young age to constantly serve. Not that my other yeah. grandma didn't serve, but it was just a, a different angle of yeah. understanding that faith. Yeah, that makes sense. Isn't it so amazing? Like the impact our grandmothers have on us, especially sometimes it's even more than our own mothers. Oh yeah, absolutely. You were obviously frustrated, but you're human. You're frustrated that you went out there and you covered up the spray paint and then they did it again. You know, do you hold resentment? Like, how do you deal with feelings like that? That's very interesting, Mandy, because this is where I feel like I have a lot of imperfections. Like I go out there and I'm like, I'm just gonna love on them. And then they do it again and again. And then I'm like, I am about to throw punch these people. We are going to find them and we are going to take them down. I'm done with this. So it like, it really depends (laughs) on how strong I am. And like, there's days where I feel so equipped and I'm ready to conquer the world with love. And then there are days where I'm just like, I I actually have to literally put on blinders and ignore it because I am such a feeler that I feel all of the darkness on our streets. And I mean, we live and work. I walk out right, right here outside my very own window is the rescue mission right below my window are addicts doing crack and like screaming things. And so there's days where I'm equipped and I'm like, I want to go out there and love them and just talk to them. But then there's also days where I'm just like, can't today. So I feel sometimes like I struggle with having a lot of, I don't want to say hatred, but disdain for the same community that I love. And that is, that's what's frustrating. And the thing of it is, is there are always going to be taggers and vandals. There are always going to be addiction right on this corner. And it's just, I guess, I don't know, like there's days I can handle it and days where I'm just over it. And the days that I'm over it and I just escape it, I realize that it is totally okay to ignore it and then build back up my, my, like, it's like when Super Mario Brothers, like gets powered up by a flower, like I just have to power up and get that confidence and that strength and courage. It's actually courage to, to handle what we see on the streets. But I think the answer to that is the way that I can be that way is to know that it's okay that I can't be that way all the time, that it is okay to just ignore it and come back to it when I am ready. Yeah. It sounds like you're an empath that knows how to put up boundaries when need be. And that's what Shannon and I talk about a lot is that, you know, 
that that is going to affect you. And so there's days where you just create a boundary for your own self-care and that that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. I wish that it could be as easy as you just said, like, I wish it could yeah. be like, Oh, you know, today I need to have a boundary, but no, instead it's like almost stepping in somebody's poop who pooped on our front door. And then, and then I lose my, my shit. And then I'm like, okay, create the boundary. Like, you I mean, you lose their shit. <laughs> I step more like I step in their shit. Now I feel bad about just bitching about the dog shit to you. You're talking about human shit. I feel like, come pick up your shit, please. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just yesterday we caught somebody just, he casually walked by at noon, pulled down his pants and did a quick shit right on our fence. So anyway, enough of that shit, <laughs> the shittiness, but I wish that it didn't take me to boil over and get so angry to understand that boundary. You know what? That's the human in us. And we have to give ourselves grace, right? Yeah. And you want to know it? It's, it's actually an interesting topic that we started on this because I think there are a lot of people in our world dealing with this right now because the homeless population is out of control. And so is mental illness. I mean, you posted a very heart, like my heartstrings were totally pulled. There's a particular woman. You even know her name. Yeah. That's the fearless part of you that I love. It's like, you know, you could be hurt. You know, you're in a dangerous situation. You don't know what could happen and you will just walk up to them and treat them like a human. Yeah. That's because I just love them. Like, in fact, right before I got on the, on this call, there's a woman who lives on the streets. Her name is Brittany. She carries around a little baby doll. She tatted up her baby's eyes with marker tattoos. And like, I have seen her just on drugs and screaming at the top of her lungs and just full of rage. And I've also seen her very tender. And she does this thing where she tears away all of these little pieces of paper and leaves them everywhere she she goes. She leaves them in our mailbox. She leaves them underneath my door at home. And one day I, I was actually getting ready to be in a fashion show. It was an upcycle fashion show. And I wanted to create this piece that was about what I experienced on the street. So I started collecting all of her little scraps of paper and I ended up attaching them to this tarp. Like a tarp is super important in the community living on the streets. A tarp is a home, it's shelter, it's covering. So I used my gown and created this fun gown out of a tarp. And I just like wheat pasted her scraps all over it. And I showed it to her after the show. And she would, she like was just like, you made that for me. And I'm like, heck yeah, Brittany, like this is an amazing you. I want to honor you. Like you are an amazing human being. Um, my heart aches for her because I, I don't know what her story is, but I think she has definitely lost a child. Um, I don't like she's, she come the what the women experience right below me is just, I'm sure that they've experienced tons of sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, just so much. And I, I just saw her and she had a baby carriage a few days ago, but the city, it, threw it away in a sweep. So she lost her baby carriage. So she carries both of her babies underneath her sweatshirt now. And every time I just see her, I'm, I just love on her. And I'm just like, I love you, Brittany. And it's funny because like, she'll be having like some major episode and I'll just be like, hi, Brittany, I love you. And she just stops. And she just is like, wow, like, thank you. And it, I think when we can distract people with love right in the middle of some craziness, it, just really 
big gigantic things can happen. And I've seen that a lot. I've seen people just struggling with addiction on the streets and going through yeah. an episode and interrupt them in it. And like, they go from screaming to, oh, hello. Hi. I recently have been trying to help a friend who was completely and totally like sane and had his life together. Like he owned a penthouse in Arizona on this beautiful, like very popular street. He had an amazing job, a beautiful wife. They just had a baby girl just full of love and energy. He loved to dance and he was prescribed Adderall and ended up getting addicted to it. And I swear it's like, I don't know what happened to his brain, but I feel like he's passed some sort of threshold in his brain where I don't even know if there's any coming back on top of mental illness. And he's homeless right now in Atlanta. And we didn't even know if he was alive. His wife didn't either. He just disappeared. And um, he reached out to me on Instagram and said that he needs help getting an ID. And you, if you think about it, homeless people that don't have an ID, that's a huge problem because they don't have an app. They don't have a freaking address. Yeah. And if they don't have an ID, they can't get a job. They, there's so much things they can't do. Yeah. And he's like, could you please order me a birth certificate? Or could you order me a social security card? I mean, of course he didn't ask me that at first. He was just like, um, needing, needing a friend. And, you know, he was talking a little crazy one moment, but then when I would start loving on him through the messaging, it was like, he would become totally normal again. Yeah. It was so bizarre. It was almost like anytime I got real serious with him and was asking hard questions, he would start talking about like, um, him like being Yahweh and like, um, the Kardashians being gods and like, and then I would bring him back by like, Oh, you're, so, you're so worthy, Aaron. You're so loved. You're not, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you don't need to wait for God. He's there with you now. And mm. it was like, all of a sudden it's totally normal. Wow. So I totally yeah. get what you're saying. And I mean, love is so powerful, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But what about the trend? You know, a lot of, like I had a student who I highly respect. She's very smart. She's got a lot going for her. She went to school, but she doesn't want to live in a cookie cutter neighborhood. She'd rather travel, be free from, you know, the systems and society and just live the van life. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be a big trend, doesn't it? Yeah. You have a dope van, don't you? Do you still have it? I donate. Okay. Let's talk about this. I donated it to the homeless family. You did. Oh my God. And you know what, Mandy? So I did this. I, I felt, I felt called to donate this family that I literally just met on the street. It was a man, a woman, and uh, three beautiful children. And at the time I was like, well, my window doesn't roll down. I don't really need my van. So I ended up giving it to them. And then I raised uh, $4,000 to help them get on their feet. And want to know what, so, well, basically they had hit me up like three weeks later to see if I could raise more money for them to get them out of jail. And then all this other crazy stuff. (laughs) Brandy, Brandy, I really wanted a happy ending, damn it. Yeah. So what I realized from that and, you know, people are like, don't have any regrets. And I'm like, I started to have a regret. <laughs> like, I love that band. But I, I felt very strong about giving it to this family and it is gone. But that van was everything. Can I, to me. <laughs> yeah, can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, you know, I get these callings as well. Can you describe what a calling means to you? 
when in your soul, you just feel like I need to do something. It's, and I feel like, like it's even like walking down the street and then being like moved to talk to somebody that I normally wouldn't talk to. It's more of just that intuition, or I like to call them God winks, where you don't even think about it. It's a no brainer. You just do it because you're drawn to doing whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I always picture it like, um, like God's just like the hello. You know, I remember one time I got on an airplane and I was exhausted. And the last thing I wanted to do was talk to anyone sitting next to me, but I got one of those damn nudges to (laughs) to start talking to the lady next to me and to share my story with her about like my, my near death experience. And the next thing I know, she's crying. She just lost her husband. She said, I brought her so much peace and serenity and that she felt totally different after we hugged, we cried. Yeah. And and I got off the plane and I was like, thank God that I've learned to listen to those nudges. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's so funny because those nudges seriously happen to me all the time where I'm like, I do not feel like talking. I'm not going to, I'm just going to mind my own business. And the next thing I'm like, do you need my, like, yeah. yeah. Do, does your family or anyone around you that's not an empath get annoyed? Because I have some people that are like, you're such a bleeding heart. Like you just give everything away. You just do the, like, you got to stop doing that. Uh-huh. I don't anymore. Um, fortunately, the people that are so close in my life support me in that and like, give me the courage to do things like that. Good. But, you know, it's funny you say that because, oh, um, so I do have a new Facebook now, Shanna, and um, it actually feels awesome to rebuild the whole thing. I really do hope I can get my old one back, but I don't Damn have hackers. Right now. Damn hackers. It feels really good to actually only bring people in that are part of who I want to be in my life, who inspire me. And uh, it made me think about how. There were people in my life and Mandy, these are the people you're talking about. The people who are like, you do, you talk too much. You're, you're, you give everything away. Those people have not, they're not going to be on this list. These are people who said that they had to mute me because I share my faith too much. They were people who, when I talked to strangers, they got annoyed when they were hanging out with me. They were people who were annoyed that I would love to dance wherever I go. And you know what? Don't need that. Amen, girlfriend. Good for a, amen, a women. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about your faith because that's one of the things that I love about you. You know, just a few weeks ago, uh, you were wearing a t-shirt that said something about God on it. What did it say? Um, I think it might've just said pray. You're right. Yeah. You'll like this one. Look, can you see it? Yes. I love that. God first. What? God first, bro. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, you were wearing a shirt and just the shirt opened up a completely like crazy cool conversation with like a family, right? What'd your shirt say? Yeah. Um, oh no, it was my God is great sweatshirt. And I was just right outside underneath my she shed. And I think this might be what you're talking about. I was, I, uh, this guy was like, Hey, do you know when the church is coming around? And I'm like, well, we all can be the church. And he's like, no, the church that delivers the burritos. And I'm like, well, I don't have any burritos, but I can be the church for you. And it just started this conversation where he shared with me his testimony, his walk with God, his, the church that he went to and how living out on the streets, he has been so far away from any of that. 
And I'm like, amen, that my sweatshirt brought this conversation to be, and it allowed him to just get to express his faith. So that's one thing I love about fashion and really like wearing things that are like, I love wearing things that say pray or God is great or love your neighbor because it's a way to be fashionable, but also really make a statement. And I love that. Like in, in my industry, in fashion Denver, I love going to a fashion show and just be dripping with God. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun. Like I was at a Denver fashion week and somehow again, God taps on my shoulder and I ended up leading like 17 people in this prayer circle at Denver fashion week. And like, there's really no God in Denver fashion week. Like it's a very secular world, but just to see how my passion for fashion and with fashion Denver, how I can really bring some goodness and some love into some really dark areas is so much fun for me. It's given me a whole new purpose. And, you know, I actually from 15 to 40, not walking with God and very far from God. And do you know who it was, Mandy, who brought me back to God? Marty Lopez. No way. How did that happen? So Shannon, Marty is a guy that we went to high school with, graduated in Mandy's class. um, And we were friends back in high school. And then we've kind of been in touch since high school, but we became really, really good friends about seven years ago. And we would just talk on the phone all the time, really getting like deep into conversation. And I had shared with him and I'll share this with you and whoever's listening. But when I was 19, I got pregnant um, with my boyfriend and I did not have the baby. And from the ages of 19 to 40, I carried around such guilt and shame and felt like I am a horrible person and God is never going to want me as his daughter. And so I just felt, I just, I just really ran away from God because I had felt so horrible about what I did. And so I was just confessing this to Marty one night and it was like coming out of me in convulsions of like 20 years of guilt and shame. And Marty was just like, Brandy, God loves you. God loves that baby. That little baby is up in heaven with him and he has never left your side. And it was at that moment where I literally felt 20 years of shame and guilt and all that came with all of that just instantly leave me. And it was at that moment where I'm like, I got to get to know who this God fella is. Like in, you know, in, in elementary school, we grew up going to church and I really loved God as a kid, but then you just start kind of like being out in the world and seeing other things. And like my faith just was non-existent for 20 years. And until Marty really like, was like, God loves you. He loves you right where you're at. And he's always loved you. That was a complete changing of my heart. It's so crazy how we've been conditioned to think that maybe Jesus would not forgive us. He hung out with prostitutes according to the Bible. And he also was hanging out with people who were weak and sick and, and homeless and hookers. Yeah. So I'm sure Jesus, you know, but why do we think that he wouldn't forgive us? You know what I mean? Or why would we be shamed in front of someone who this is what he lived? Right. 100%. Mm -hmm. I, I think for me for that, it was because I didn't know the Bible. 
I didn't know that he had hung out with the prostitutes and the beggars and the lepers. Um, and so, you know, it was like one of those, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, but I really had no idea what that actually meant. You know, it was just like something I said, but, but right. at that moment with, in that conversation with Marty and how free I felt, I was like, I got to get to know this this guy. And that was really the beginning of my being born again and really understanding who God is and seeing how he works in my life. And, you know, working in the fashion industry for over 20 years, I I just look back and I see that he's been equipping me for much bigger things than just fashion stuff. And like, he's equipped me to to be able to get to MC events and like be hosts of events for many, many people. And in that, I can talk about how loved we are, how we can all be the light. And, you know, it's not, it's not an, it's not in a Bible thumping way at all. In fact, I don't even mention Jesus, but just how I can talk about love and about forgiveness and grace in any event that I am at is pretty yeah. cool. So it's yeah. it's cool to see how how all of these things that he's equipped me with to produce things and fashion and blah, blah, blah. Now I get to use them for something that is so much better, which is, I hope really just for other people to see how loved we truly are. And I actually get very upset when I hear about Christians who are condemning and hating and yeah. being, being hypocrites and, you know, and then the world who doesn't know about God, they're like, ah, that's all Christians. I know that that's yeah. how all of them are. So, and I want to yeah. be the one that's like, that's not how it is. And if they actually read the Bible, they would see that Jesus abhorred the religious. He abhorred the, the legalistic people who had no grace or tolerance for people. But you don't know that until you actually read it yourself. Yeah. Wow. So true. Have you read the first chapter of the Bible? Second chapter, actually. Yes. Recently? Uh, three weeks ago, in the beginning. God yeah. Created. Yes. Did you know that Adam's daughters were hooking up with angels? Uh, that's in the Bible? Yeah. It blew our brains, Brandy. It blew our brains. Go get it, girl. Go get it. <laughs> Wait, yeah. And so when the angels... Wait, laid with Adam's daughters. Hold on. They, I'm- they had hybrids. They had Nephilims. That was what they end up having was the Nephilims, which is, you know, half angel, half man, uh-huh. which became your giants and all those things. We, me and Shanna's minds were blown when we, we saw this. And this is in chapter one? Might be chapter two, actually. Hold on. Let Wait. me look and see. Angels laid. You know, I'd love for you to read it. Yeah. And then we want to know, do you want to know what's crazy, Brandy, is we've had on some very, um, like super famous people that have been studying religion for many, 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 many years. They've been on like, uh, the history channel. I mean, you name it. And we bring this up to them and we brought it up to a pastor. Like we bring it up and they're like, we don't even, we don't even know. We don't even know what to say about it. (laughs) Really? Which pastor? Um, remember what, who was it, Shannon? We asked him and he said, um, I don't have an opinion on that. Oh, I don't remember. Adam's um, it was one of our most recent interviews. He said, yeah, I don't really understand it. And I, I just let it be the stuff oh, I don't wow. understand. It's very interesting. Okay, so it is 
One of God are fallen angels who had sex with human women, creating the Nephilim, and were chained up crossing the boundaries of God. Okay, but what, I mean, I want you, are you reading it? Uh-huh. You're reading the scripture? Yeah, it's Genesis 6, 1, 4. Okay, all right, cool. We're going to put you down a rabbit hole, girlfriend. So anyways, yes. So, <laughs> so, and God told them not to. God's like, stop sleeping with Adam's daughters, dude. That's how they end up having the giants and the Nephilims and all this. Oh, and like yeah. they still find their skulls all over the world. Like they dig them up and like they've found them places. You know, another thing, I mean, like, have you ever looked at the descriptions of the angels in the Bible? Um, well, obviously frightening. They're scary. They got faces of three different animals right they got six wings and shit i mean it's just insane <laughs> they're not the cute little campbell soup kids that we thought. Yeah. but you know yeah, god bless whoever started world. the rumors that they were you know looking like archangel michael because i i mean like i totally think archangel michael looks like brad pitt that's the mm-hmm. vision i get so you don't get i, I want to keep that you don't want a three-headed horse or something, Shannon? No, uh, no, it's a horse, an oxen, and an eagle, or the heads. Oh, I yeah, think that's no. kind of cool. <laughs> it is, you know what? And it's much like the other deities from other, you know, cultures, like, you know, Hindus. And interesting that, you know, we believe what we're told, right? Mm-hmm. And I like what you said, read the word, right? Yeah. But you know what, Brandy? I wanted to ask you that. She brought up different religions, different cultures. Being that, and the listeners don't know this yet, but you were adopted, you and your mm-hmm. brother both. Mm-hmm. When you found your roots, mm-hmm. uh, did you feel like obligated to dig into that culture and religion as well? Um, so, Mandy, do you remember when I went back to the Philippines? Oh, yes. And I discovered that one of my really good friends here in Denver, Sammy Taggett, him and I were from the same freaking orphanage where 1.2 million kids are orphaned every year in Manila. There we were from the same orphanage, came out of the same orphanage and within 10 months of each other. So we went back to the Philippines and I I did not really get to find any of my roots. I know my biological parents' names, but that's really it. I know they were Catholic, but I never really dove in. I would love to help you. As soon as you said Catholic, the Catholics keep better records than almost anybody. Hmm. Even more than the Mormons? Just as good. At one point, it just depended if you were from the, the 13 colonies or if you were from Louisiana, which was owned by France, they were all Catholic. The archbishop, they kept better track than the census or the government. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Brandy, do you ever want to know anything at all? Shanna can find out anything. She's done many, many people's ancestry and um, she makes it a really cool experience for you. Baptism certificates were actually a legal document at one point. So mm-hmm. when, I d- when I did go back to my biological parents' house that they had on my birth certificate, we went back to the little neighborhood that they lived in and asked to see the records and there was no record of them, but their records only went back to 1991. So in Manila, specifically in this neighborhood where my biological parents apparently lived, the record keeping was not very good at all. But um, Mm -hmm. it's funny because in the Philippines, I have random connections in the Philippines who are like, we are going to help you find your family. But my biological father's name is Manuel Gonzalez. 
which is seriously equivalent to John Smith. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, tell our listeners um, the tough decision your biological parents have made for you. Mm, I, I would say the tough decision my biological parents made for me was just giving me up and leaving me, leaving me at the hospital. Um, and it's funny when I share my story with people, they get so sad. They're like, oh, that's just heartbreaking. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like I was raised in the most amazing, amazing family. Like it is, it all was divinely ordained and there is nothing to like feel bad about. And for me, honestly, this all comes in one big circle, but being abandoned at birth, being fostered, being adopted, and then to having my own abortion, like all of that circled around in this way that was just so profound for me. So the fact that my biological mother gave birth to me, like she brought me to term and and delivered me, like to me, what a gift that that is. Um, Oh my gosh. Wow. That's powerful. Holy crap. I, I never, yeah, I never knew that. Holy yeah. shit. So, so they left, they left you at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They left me at the hospital and, um, the like city and County of the Philippines or the, the government tried to give me back to them and they didn't, they chose not to take me back. I do know I have a previous sibling before me, but yeah, I think that that was probably a very difficult decision for my biological mother, yeah. whose name is Erlinda Ignacio, and she was 23 when she had me. Um, but at the same, like on my birthday, I always wonder if she remembers me. I always wonder if she like is just thinks of me. And mm-hmm. that that for a while, that really bothered me, but it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think it's more because of my faith. I think I, I realized that I am a daughter of the most high and, um, and that's really for me what my identity is. Um, but yeah, for a long time, I, I like would get really depressed around my birthday and I would wonder like why I look the way I do. And I have this idea that my, my biological father is this like small little Filipino man who's super dark skinned. And like, I actually don't look a lot like Filipinos. So even in the Philippines, they're like, you're not Filipino, but I am. I was both of my parents were from the Philippines. So yeah, I, I haven't really dug too much into the Filipino culture yet. Okay. So you've never, besides around your birthday, it felt sad to you, but you, you didn't have resentment. No. Yesterday I was in an IOP. I'm in an IOP right now. Our listeners might not know this, but I relapsed. And so I put myself back into an intensive outpatient program and I'm really enjoying it because I love people's stories my passion is helping people in addiction, but there was a girl who was adopted. She's black. Her family's white. And she shared, she struggled with being raised by a white family and not knowing her culture and, you know, her people. And at one point she was in a school and there was only five black kids in the whole school. Her white family always tried to straighten out her curls. So now Mm -hmm. she make sure her curls are rocking. Mm-hmm. She said it was just very white upbringing and she kind of seems like resentful about it. Feels like she doesn't have like a place to call like her true home. Like she's kind of stuck in the middle. It was very brave of her to share that. Did you ever feel that way? I actually have not felt like that. 
And I was emceeing an event a couple nights ago, and it was very much about race and racial equality. And one of the main points that I got from a speaker who was speaking was that people need to take action. And I just, you know, when I got back up on the mic, I was just like, I am so grateful that my parents took action and the action they took was love. They shielded me from any racism. And, you know, my mom actually did tell me, my mom and dad did tell me that a lot of their adult people were like giving them a lot of shit about adopting Asians, but I never saw it. So they took action by shielding us from that and then by loving on us. And it's funny because my brother is like, Brandy, you know, we're Twinkies, like we're white on the inside. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like I'm white on the inside. I just feel like I'm me on the inside. I love your brother. Your brother was adopted as well. He ever tried to figure out who his parents are? He can't so much because he was found in a shoebox as a dying baby, very premature. And there, so there's no paperwork on my brother, whereas my my biological parents, like they were there at the hospital and filled out the birth certificate. But yeah, yeah, my brother really has no interest in finding out his Vietnamese heritage. And it's interesting as, as an adoptee, I have a lot of friends who could care less about where they came from. So I like to get into those conversations. And I think it's yeah. fun to bring a bunch of adoptees together and talk about like, I know that I've definitely dealt with fear of abandonment. That's probably yeah. been the biggest issue in throughout my life. And I didn't realize that that could even be connected to adoption. But as I get older, you know, there I was at the hospital. Then I was pulled out of that into an orphanage. Then I was pulled out of that into foster care. And then I was pulled out. So every time my parents left me to go somewhere, I thought they were leaving me. Like the first five years of my life, feeling like someone's always going to leave me, of course, that would carry on and kind of a traumatic effect as an adult and being in relationships where I'm like, oh, they're just going to leave me, you know, and maybe even in past relationships, doing a self-fulfilling prophecy, self-fulfilling prophecy, self-fulfilling thingamajigger, like causing that because I fear it so much that I cause it. Well, and now there, you know, you can have PTSD from the womb. Yeah. That's interesting. I love your story because the love that you carry in your heart showed throughout it. Like you could have had so much resentment. You could have been so angry. You could have been so disappointed at the end of that trip you took. But Mm -hmm. again, like I said at the beginning, when I introduced you, you always find the good in things. And I just love that about you. You know, I'm sure it's not always, but I'm sure there's times where you don't, you're able to flip it back Mm -hmm. to love real fast. And, and, and I love that about you. The other thing that I love about you, Brandy, is that you love yourself. And, and I see that like, there's a difference between self-love and being cocky or confident or overly confident. Like you carry yourself with such confidence that it's very contagious. Like it makes me want to carry myself with more confidence. I see it in your fashion and the way you express yourself. And just so our listeners know, when we say fashion, we're talking fashion that she puts together that anyone could afford. And that's another thing I love about you is we're not talking like $2,500 Louis Vuitton purses and shit. Can you talk about your love for fashion, where that started? Yeah. So let me show you this. My love of fashion began definitely when I was a kiddo on Eastbury Drive, four houses down from Jessica Satterfield. These are my original fashion sketches from third grade. 
Oh my God. I love that you still have that. I've always just loved fashion. I've loved, look at these. Do you remember, um, like the gotcha swimsuits, Mandy, at the Aurora mall? These yeah, are very well, that. I've just always loved fashion and I've really specifically always loved handbags ever since I was a kid. I love to organize things. When I was 23, I started a handbag business and it was like the internet had just started and I taught myself how to build a website and I built myself a website. And because the internet was so new, literally six months later, I blew up on the internet and went what we would call viral. And I was number three when you typed in handbag under AOL. And I was selling in boutiques in London, Paris, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, LA, Denver. And these bags are, were like, not even, they weren't like leather fancy handbags. They, like all of my bags are just fun little pieces of fabric. And like, it was just crazy. So because it kind of blew up so fast, I had to learn how to have a business really fast. And I ended up hiring sewers and really going on this whole rigmarole of being a designer at the turn of the century, Y2K. And um, I ended up moving to California and started getting to bring my fashions out into the LA and San Francisco markets and doing all these markets with these awesome, amazing designers and really learning about the fashion industry. And life brought me back to Denver in 2004. And I knew right away, I want to help designers start up their companies. So that's when I founded Fashion Denver. And I, I wanted Fashion Denver just to be something where everything I learned, I could help other people start their businesses. So I've had Fashion Denver for 18 years. And in that I've had a boutique. I've like produced tons of fashion shows and fashion markets. And um, right now, like our fashion industry in Denver is huge. And there are so many outlets now for designers to be. And I found like that, well, I'm kind of like one of the veterans. And so I'm not as active as all these little youngsters are, but I really love focusing on our fashion camp for kids. And so once every, I think I do it two or three times a year, I have four to 11 year olds come to the super fun venue and we make fashion. And by the end of the day, they walk the runway with their fashion piece on, they've had their hair and makeup done and it is just so much fun. So it's been interesting to see how my own evolution of my passion for fashion has shifted. And like Mandy was saying, like my outfits are thrifted, they're hand-me-downs, they're my grandma's old something or other. Like I do not spend very much on fashion, but it's just so fun. That makes it more of a challenge. I think that this is a neat time to be in fashion because it's not so much about what you know, we used to think was like the beauty that everyone had to be. We're finding beauty in every shape, color, size, race, gender, right? I've had a lot of people on recently, you know, over the past year talking about fashion, talking about this industry, how it's changed and it needed to change, right? Because, you know, for so long, it was actually causing people to have eating disorders, probably kill themselves, hate themselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's even like, I think there's a lawsuit even against one of the social medias. Did you hear about that? No. I, I guess if I, I see the change is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's amazing that people are just more bold about being exactly who they are and putting themselves out there and feeling vulnerable. For the longest time, my hair was like way down to here. 
because I have scoliosis and I was afraid people would make fun of my back. So I covered my back with my hair and like dumb. So like to chop off all of my hair, which I do that all the time now, I grow to cut and cut to grow. I realized, you know what, like, so what if I have scoliosis and a crooked back? Like that is part of who I am and I don't want to hide it. So now that we do live in a society where we are more confident to be exactly who we're made to be, that's super awesome. And it's really exciting to see that in fashion as well. Like what, for my shows, I never like to have all five foot nine, 110 pound models. Like I want every single shape, color and size in these shows to represent the real everybody. And you do, and you do, and you fucking rock it. And I loved your little, on your new Facebook, rocking that piece that is so original that someone made you. Isn't it fun? That was cool. I have this outfit, I'll friend you on Facebook, but it literally, it's a, I call it a transformer, but I can undo the belt and just go whoosh. And it's a whole new outfit. It's amazing. It's hard to explain. It's, it's super cool, but that's what I mean. Like you rock the mic, you rock the runway, you rock like shit that if I put on, I'd look ridiculous. You look fucking amazing in it. You would think you look ridiculous, <laughs> but it's all on your own confidence. Yes. And that's so serious. I love your confidence. Like you'll throw things together where I'm like, oh my God, you just express yourself so well through your fashion. It's awesome to watch. It is, it is so fun. And honestly, I really feel like it all goes back to a having confidence that who God created me to be is for a purpose. So why would I hide that? Why would I not shine my light bright and B, he delights in my heart through fashion. Like this sweatshirt used to be Patrick, my, my man's mom's, but like just little fashion pieces are such fun. These found them at a thrift store for two bucks. Like, I feel like they're just like little delights, like they're little like, oh, and what about this? And what about this? And for me, it's so much more special to find something in a drunk drawer. And for my mom, like, guys, I discovered a little dresser up in my parents' attic, all of my mom's spandex from the late 80s and early 90s. Do you remember units? This sounds familiar. I loved units. It was right next to On the Move. Mandy, it was the one where like they were modular. I know oh, you yes. one. Like you would have like just a tube, and the tube could be a tube top, it could be a skirt, it could be a belt. Anyway, found all of my mom's units, found all of oh my, my spandex. My mom was like a little fashion lady when she was. Oh, yeah. Do you, want, do you want to know what the one thing I did, I didn't ever understand, and maybe you can help me understand it, was my dad still has like a drawer of them. Do you remember the Dickies? They're just like a square piece with a turtleneck, so you could put it under a t-shirt. Yeah. What's so it, that? It looked like you were wearing a, a turtleneck, but really it was just like a square piece of fabric and only the turtleneck. He still has those? Yes. I want, I want to get one of those and wear it over like a bodysuit. There you go. See, there's your fashion. Oh my yeah. God. I'll, I'll bring you one. It might be itchy and brown, but Hey, whatever you could pull it off. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. Fashion is just fun. And I think for me, style is just exhibiting who we are on the inside and wearing it outward. And I'm a quirky little nerdy kooky girl. And so I just like to be that on the outside too. Recently, you know, there was the one company in the news because they were using a child 
to advertise not very tastefully either. It seemed very deliberate. Some of the things they actually had a, you know, um, an article on the table that kind of pointed towards child pornography. And then, and then, so they took that all down, they put something else up and then they had a book that kind of, you know, was on the back of the table that kind of was another, you know, hidden kind of, I don't know what it was, something they were fucking with people is kind of what I think. And, you know, I mean, it's just really terrible. How do you feel about it? I think we live in a very dark and evil world and it's surprising and these things are coming to light and it's gross. But that right. is I think people are taking um, freedom of speech and freedom of like that. I don't know if that'd be called freedom of advertising, no. or, yeah, but they're taking it too far. Yeah, yeah, they're taking it too far. Um, for sure. That was very disturbing. And, you know, I'm not a Kardashian, I'm not like a big Kardashian follower, but I was so happy to see that Kim like cut them out of her. because <clears throat> okay. she, Yeah, she said no more and she's she quit um, collaborating with them. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that some of the stuff was so subtle. Like, I probably would have never noticed had it not mm-hmm. been pointed out to me. Yeah. Right? Which is so concerning. Yeah. Because how many things like that are around us all day that we are not present with? We don't see. I mean, I mean, how much of it is brainwashing us? Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's like, give them eyes to see and ears to hear when you are understanding that this world is a spiritual battle, you see things in a different light and you can pick up on those things. I'll, I do have to say though, I'm kind of upset about this, but I got a new kick ass handbag and someone was like, eh, is that a Balenciaga? And I'm like, no, but look. <laughs> awesome, are you ready? Oh, what? It's like an amazing ball of those spikes. That's badass. And walking out your front door, if yep. you get jumped, you can uh, kill yeah, someone. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Me too. And I don't think that it looks like that. Hey, Brandy, we got to also talk about this cool, like, restaurant that you have. Sky yes. Bar? Yes. Sky talk bar. about it. Yes. Okay. So about seven months ago, me, my partner love of my life, Patrick McMichael and Sky Barker Ma um, put our heads together and we opened up a little 24 seat cocktail lounge at Stanley Marketplace that is an ode to the golden era of flight. So think 1960s flight lounge. And we are a specialty cocktail bar and um, uh, spirit, is that what it's called? Spirit free? Well, we also have a lot of mocktails um, and it's just been so fun. We have an amazing um, general manager and staff and they run the day to day and Sky and Patrick and I are all behind the scenes. But the vibe is very, think like Pan Am from the 1960s. It's so rad. You know what I love? You inspire people to dress up to come there like in costume or in whatever. Yeah, it's definitely a very stylish place to be. And because we're so small at 24 seats, it's really best to make a reservation. Patrick and I have gone on a random night and couldn't even get in. And we're like, uh, excuse us. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, excuse us. We're owners of this shit. We can't get a table. Oh my God. So is it like, look like an airplane setting? No, it looks more like a flight lounge. 
rad. Yeah. And my dad's helicopter helmet is in there on display, but it's very like an upscale flight lounge from the sixties. Yes. Stanley marketplace, which is so awesome. If you haven't gone there and you live in Colorado, it's a must go. One more thing, Brandy, I want to know this loft that you live in. It's so cool. And it's so funky. And it's another way that I love how creative you are and how you express yourself. We're going Um, over there soon. yes, Yes, we are. So have you seen any like naked brothel chicks walking around and had any any paranormal going on? That is great that you asked that because before we moved in, the Steve who owns the building was like, Brandy, I just need to let you know that that place is haunted by women. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Because I've like in my 20s and 30s, every place I lived in Capitol Hill haunted. I've seen ghosts before and I just didn't want that in my home. So honestly, I, when we were working on it, we put in insulation, electrical, plumbing. We didn't do it, but we had contractors do it. I was working on the house and just cleaning out some stuff. And I'm, and I just prayed over every single corner over every single wall. And I was just like, Lord, I just pray that if there is any energy or spirits in here, that they're free. And that, that this is a house that is just full of peace and love and joy. Uh, and I just prayed over that entire house and love it. entire loft. And I have not experienced anything, but it's also because I don't want to dabble in that world. Yeah. I've in it and I, I know that it's very real, but when I'm at the loft and we have friends at the loft, it is just so full of love. And yeah. I know it has to do with, with yeah. just like bringing that yeah. energy in. Do you, you know, Suzanne Pryor, she was, yes. Yes. so her and I, before I moved in, we just pray really did a deep dive pray over that whole place. And awesome. the temperature went from like 50 to like 70 just while we were there. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing you'd want is for the love of your life, Patrick, to cheat on you with a brothel naked ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't really like that. (laughs) So Shanna and I do like Sage and Palo Santo kind of Native Uh American style of that hitting each corner. But I love that you just shared with our listeners that you can also just do it with prayer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, Brandy, you've been awesome. Um, we, I just freaking adore you. We might have to have you on again because like you just bring up the vibration and it's that love you carry in your soul. And I so appreciate you coming on. Yeah. You both ladies, thank you so much for inviting me and asking me again for this resource of amazing people that you get to, that you get to talk to and share. And I'm just honored be one of those people tell our listeners where they can uh, find out more about brandy shigley you can find out more about brandy shigley at brandy oh easy enough i love it and now it's time for break that shit down i would say the first thing and really only thing that comes to my heart and my mind and my soul is how loved we are right where we are, how through our brokenness and being vulnerable in our brokenness, we can help heal others around us. And to not have any fear of things that we might have shame for, of things that we have guilt, but get those things out so we can heal from them and also just be a part of someone else's healing process. We're just all created for a purpose. And when we own that, that's when freedom in our life just happens. One of our uh, Shanna's favorite words, freedom. And you're right. It's very freeing to number one, heal from the inside out, but also to share 
our authenticity and our brokenness to help others, right? That's we're all here on earth together for a reason. Yep. And I love that you and Kelly Shroud. So we had Kelly on and she talked about her book that you're in. Mm-hmm. God, I love that book. And oh. I love the story in it that they wrote and the picture they chose for you. And so that's another place that you can learn about. Brandy is in her book and it is called Exposure. Exposure. We'll post that on there too. If people want to read the story in there about you, because it's rad. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I think you're amazing. I can't wait to meet you in person and I appreciate you coming on as well. Thank you, Shane. I look forward to hanging out at the loft. And um, we'll be in touch. We're going to come down and hang out and uh, meet your homeless neighbors and see your beautiful loft. Oh my gosh. I would love to do that. I would love, love, love to do that. And again, thank you both so much for having me and love you, ladies. Love you. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.